Hey, Holly, what's going on today? Oh, are you asking me this again? I am. First of all, we're on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Welcome to it. That's how we Thank know. Thank you. Today's another pretty good day, don't you think? Yeah. It's, uh, end of the Olympics. Did you watch any Olympics? Yeah, I watched gymnastics and... I know I should be more pro-Olympics, right? The reason I mentioned the Olympics is we're going to talk to a psychotherapist today. Well, Simone Biles came up in the, in our discussion, and we kind of get into a, a little bit with, uh, with our guest, whose name I cannot pronounce. Please tell us who has stepped into our virtual studios today, Holly. I will tell you in one second, but I want to add, I know we did not talk about her when we mentioned Simone Biles, but I also wanted to mention Naomi Osaka because she deserves a shout out as well with regard to caring for her mental health. So having said that, our guest today is Carl Almaget Kakaro. That is a, a mouthful, but he is a, he's a musician. He has a passion for 80s music, which is kind of what brought us together. And he is also a psychotherapist. I don't know which is in his spare time, but he is all those things. And we are so happy to have him in the virtual studio today. Yeah, he's like a superhero. Welcome today's superhero into our virtual studios. His name, once again, Holly. Carl Almaget Kakaro. On the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Hi, Carl. Hey, how you Hi. doing? Yeah. How's it going? I'm so like ready and excited to talk to you guys. So whatever, <laughs> whatever we need to do, I'm in the pocket and ready to go. Well, thank you. Okay, <laughs> first, before we do anything, tell me the pronunciation of your name or how you best like to be called. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's Carl Almaget Kikero. That's a long story behind that middle name. I've used that kind of as a stage name for many, many years. It wasn't my birth middle name. So already we're, we're getting into it right away. <laughs> it was an adopted middle name that I've used for a long time now. Okay. Can we have the abbreviate some version of it? I'm so curious now. <laughs> Gosh, you know, I appreciate you asking because I don't really tend to kind of, no one really ever asks that. So, you know, it was kind of adopted back when of all films that came out, The English Patient was a film that I really loved. It's like one of my favorite movies of all time. I kind of identified with the main character a little bit. His name in the, in the movie was Count Laszlo Almacy, something to that degree. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great stage name. Let's go, let's go for it. <laughs> so all my years kind of playing music and touring around, I thought, you know, Carl Kikera was, was a little kind of bland. So let's kind of bruise it up a little bit. And so everyone from that point on kind of called me Carl Almage. So it worked. But you pronounced it differently. <laughs> I made my own pronunciation because it, it, it kind of works. You can, you can, it looks like it can, it could be, you know, pronounced that way. Who was like, the actor who played that? I was trying, I'm trying to remember. It was uh, a woman with three names. Uh, yes. And the guy, also a dreamy actor, English guy who I can't remember. Yes. Was it Ray Fiennes? Yes, it was Ray Fiennes. And the woman was, I think it was Kristen Scott Thomas. That's it. You're right. Very yeah. good. I knew it three names. I just uh, couldn't think of any of them. And Carl Kakaro is an awesome name. All right? oh, thank yeah. You. Thank I mean, you. come on. Yeah. You have the alliteration. Yeah. No one would ask you to change your name. Only someone who lives in Austin would. would need right. to <laughs> of course. Don't get in my own way. Just leave it alone. But, you know. Holly was just talking with Pat McDonald of Timbuk3. And <laughs> apparently he likes the capital letter to be the A in McDonald and not the M. <laughs> That's an Austin thing. It's all important. I mean, to me, it's just as like a front man, like in a, in a band, I, I felt like I, I wanted to do it bigger and, and larger, you know, following in the footsteps of some of my faves, you know, the, the single names, you know, your stings, your bonos, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I did two, I did a double, Carl Almaget, but it kind of worked for a while. See, at Antone's just 
homage on the marquee. That's probably what I should have. That's the dream. In time, the car will be lost. Yes. So when you were looking for this, uh, for something to spice it up, you were playing with this band, Nothing Rhymes with Orange. Is that the, is that when it was? Yeah. You know, for, for many, many years, it was, it was Nothing Rhymes with Orange. And, you know, we had caught a little, caught lightning in a bottle there for a sec, put out some really good music and had some good people on our team. And we were traveling the world a bit. Eventually, we, we brought that Nothing Rhymes with Orange name to NRWO because we felt like, okay, we got to streamline that. We did really well for a long time. We're still kind of together a little bit. We do little things here mm. and there many years later, but not like we quite were before. Now I'm kind of doing my own thing. Your own thing, which is you're a psychotherapist. That's right. That is correct. Psychotherapist by day, rock star by night. You have the best of all worlds. That's right. I've tried really hard to kind of work that out. It's taken some time, but years later, I've been able to perfect that craft. And now I've got a, a really a really solid day job where I can kind of inspire people in the mental health world. And then I can maybe try to inspire people at night by delving into the arts and my creative side with music. Can we start with music? Tell me, what is Nothing Rhymes With Orange? Back in the day, in contact with a guy named Bill Coyne, who was Kiss's manager at one point. He brought Kiss and, and bands like Billy Idol and Billy Squire and, and some of these artists to, to their heyday. He had then kind of taken notice in us through, as well as through other, other people in, in South Florida, in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. One thing led to another where we connected. We kind of said, okay, let's give this a shot. And we were writing music well before that. What's the yes. music scene in Florida like? Man, true melting pot. What was funny about where that kind of connects with the music that we were writing, we, I think our music was also like a product of, of that environment where we would write a potpourri of lots of different types of songs and couldn't really quite kind of grasp exactly what it was we were doing because we wanted, we wanted to write a punk song. We wanted to write a, you know, a ballad. We wanted to write an Americana. It was a little bit all over the place for a bit, but there is still that kind of common thread that kind of traces through all the songs, through all the albums that kind of gave it that almost kind of like Brit poppy meets early U2, maybe Kings of Leon-ish killers type thing. I'm sure when Bill Coin found you, he was probably tried to kind of knit you up or like, okay, we got we to gotta have a sound. I'm sure it was not folk into hard rock. What'd your album sound like? He had a great, he did have a great year for music, you know, bless his soul. He's not with us anymore, passed away, but he had a great year for music and he had a lot of insight and kind of wisdom as far as the business and kind of helped us a lot there. I think the music kind of, you know, we, we still were able to do what we kind of wanted. However, when we, we were with certain kind of producers, I think what happened was they, they tried to kind of cater the sound a little bit to their production style. So if we were looking for maybe something that kind of, I guess, let's use kind of a sound like, like a kill, an early killers type of sound, let's say. We, we couldn't quite, we did, our voices weren't as loud as we would like to, them to have been back then. So we kind of just went with whoever was willing <laughs> to help us. And, you know, they kind of catered our sound to their taste and to, to their likings, if that makes any sense. So I think probably a little bit more straightforward rock, I think, is where his influence kind of led us when we were a little bit more kind of alternative. Did you sign with a, a label or was this a DIY type thing? Yeah, we were on an independent label through a connection of his. It was kind of a, it was a coin globe, you know, uh, and it was just a 
internal label through through Bill and his partner Roman, who did a lot of work for us for many, many years, Roman Fernandez. And with his connections through the industry, we we're just kind of shopping it everywhere. And it landed and hit. And it really was, we were like making noise and we were on the fence and never got quite pushed over like we thought, but we were we were very close. So you had some passion for 80s music. How did it come about? Because this wasn't so much what you were playing with them was more like alternative, just rock, straight ahead rock. Right. Yeah. If I had my way, if, again, if my voice was loud enough and I had enough pull in the group and with everything, it would have, it would have been all 80s. It would have sounded like a, something straight out of the 80s. But, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, we, gotta, we have to find a lot of compromise and all trying to agree on something. But I think the short answer would be, I mean, I'm definitely an 80s child. Hate to hate to show the age, but I I love me some <laughs> 80s. And I think for the longest of time, you know, that's kind of in your blood. It's in your it's in your bones. It's in your soul. <laughs> and it's like my, I call it my safe calm place. You know, it's funny with the work I do in in psychotherapy. It's all about kind of helping people live in the now, even though maybe the now isn't the greatest place for people. It's kind of making that your friend. It's like the best friend you could have is your relationship with the now, right? Strangely enough, my kind of safe calm place where I live most of the time is, is in the past in the 80s in my mind. So, you know, wherever wherever we can find kind of, you know, respite or, or solace. So I always knew one day I would do something like this. I, I always had to, always wanted to, but the cards were never, or the time was never right. So I'm like, you know what? COVID, pandemic, it's March. What are we going to do now for the next year? Oh, let's get creative and let's, let's do that project. I see It's nice to see you again It seems You're well Sitting pretty again Got the 80s in my blood The breakfast club in the I had this idea to kind of just, you know, the title is, is called 80s in the Blood. I had a, a very good, solid um, contact and incredibly talented producer, mixer, songwriter named Jeff Schreiner out of Brooklyn, New York. And he helped me remix some of the NRWO songs. And we said, let's go into a creative project <laughs> and do this. So we were kind of transferring tracks back and forth over the year. And it, it just, we were kind of, it was fun kind of picking the songs and the list was, was endless. And we decided to kind of finally put it together and we, we were able to make it happen. And the product is phenomenal. It came out really, really incredible. And there are some originals on it. There's a, at least yeah. one original on there. Yeah. There's three, I think there's three originals and, and yeah. five covers from that era. Yeah. The covers are so great. I mean, it's all, I, I enjoyed it all, but the covers are great because while you're true to the sound of the original, you definitely have your own spin. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, if we try, I mean, it's hard to recreate these these classics, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to go for a big boy like that, you better do something that's a little <laughs> bit unique and a little bit different, or it's like it just pales in comparison. Like it's, you know, and that's why there were certain songs we just chose. Like I don't think we can we can 
we'll just destroy this. Let's just stick with Invisible Sun. I think we can make that one work, you know? <laughs> and I thought we did. Uh, gave it, brought it, brought real justice to it. I'm very proud of it. We, we, we keep listening to it to this day. And <laughs> we love, we love the, the sounds and the synth choices. And so, yeah. sounds 80s to you it sounds 80s to me i would say it's a lot of times it's you know the classic synth synth loops that people used back in the 80s just those synth sounds even the guitar tones um the big kind of reverbed out vocals um you know it's got a, it's got a very there's a very poppy feel to it all but also so kind of um almost like you know obviously there's the new wave component of, of 80s so I, I really kind of liked, I mean, I loved a lot of the new wave. Obviously it's kind of probably my most favorite part of the eighties was the new wave music, but even the, even the poppy songs straightforward, like take any, any poppy group, like, you know, Tears for Fears or, or, or Thompson Twins or something like that. The sounds that they, they, they dialed in because that's, those were the sounds that they were using is kind of just everything I, I still kind of love about um, music today. Even if we were writing a pop rock album, it would still kind of hope to pick sounds like that to kind of infuse into maybe current music. So a lot, a lot of bands are doing that. Eighties is back. I mean, as you can, it's tracing <laughs> through everything nowadays. So, so what was on the list that almost made it, but didn't make it? Oh boy, me. You know, it's also important for me to note too that, like, I think what really started this was like Stranger Things. <laughs> you know, when I started mm -hmm. watching the Stranger Things series, I'm like, oh my god, this is really kind of tapping into my youth now, right? Every, every sound, every sight, I'm like, I'm, I'm reconnecting with old friends, visiting the old house, you know, and I'm like, let's do an album. Um, but the songs that didn't make it were songs, I think uh, Duran Duran's Save a Prayer, I really wanted to do. We just kind of lost a little time to kind of get that done. Some of them are a little bit more involved and we wanted to cap the project at around a year. So that didn't make it. I wanted to do Asia only time will tell my version of that. That would have been sweet, <laughs> but didn't quite happen. I wanted to do a rush song. I wanted to kind of do like subdivisions <laughs> from rush. That was going to be a little bit more involved. Um, again, trying to put our, uh, at least something new, a unique spin on it was, was very time consuming kind of playing around with ideas. The, the five covers that we did choose, and again, the reason why I actually chose these five are these are bands of mine that, that really kind of shaped me as a kid. I was listening to these groups and um, I wanted to pay homage to them. So Don't Change from In Excess is the lead off. Um, we, I did uh, Drive from the Cars. As much as I love, I mean, that song was quintessential 80s. I didn't, the Cars weren't one of my kind of favorite bands per se, but that song was always up there. We did New Year's Day from U2, Invisible Sun from The Police, and one of my all-time favorite bands, The Church, we did Under the Milky Way. 
So chose those five and then the three originals. Very different vocally for each song. Right. <laughs> your, your drive is very, very subtle. Did you, so did you change, change it up? God, such a great question. Dave. You know, it, it's such a good <laughs> question because I realized, you know, I pride myself as a vocalist and I, and I feel like I can push the limits and do a lot vocally, but I didn't realize this, like you said, the simplicity of drive, how incredibly difficult that was to, to, to nail. I'm like, oh my God, that, <laughs> that one probably took me the most time just because it's, it's kind of like a speaking type singing of a song. And, and my, my natural state is to want to kind of like hold notes and more of like the, the big front men, your Bonos of the world and such. So it was really tough, but I, I kind of showed a lot of restraint and really kind of just shut my eyes and kind of dug in and I thought I delivered it. Though it's definitely more in my style. So it's a little bit more of a singy song as opposed to a spoken. And then we just kind of added a few more layers of synth and keys kind of as, as the song you know, kind of builds. Who's gonna tell you when it's too Who's gonna tell you things are so great? Can't go on thinking nothing's wrong, but now who's gonna drive you home tonight? something you can't just fall into uh psychotherapy you know for just to try to give short answers i'm not good at that i was i was teaching for many years so when i was doing music with with the nrwo band we were you know traveling in the summers that's how i was able to do it but but during the rest of the year i was kind of teaching i was the the ninth grade eighth eighth and ninth grade english teacher for many for like eight years so i was doing right yeah i was doing that (laughs) And then as time went on, I, I realized, you know, as much as I loved, you know, education, I, I think I wanted to do something else as far as I wanted to motivate people in a different way. I wanted to inspire and help the world in a different way, not so much academically, but maybe more from a mental health perspective. And I think some of the, you know, from some family stuff that, you know, you kind of live with in, in experience, close friends, but even seeing kind of the youth of America struggle. Even people you never, you know, on the surface seem like they're doing great. They come from these privileged families. They do well. They're well-to-do, you know, financially. They're all kind of honor students. But underneath all of that, there's so much pain and, and trauma. It's incredible. And I was one of these kind of teachers that they felt comfortable going to. I wasn't able, it couldn't end with me. I always had to kind of send them on to the, the school psychologist, just kind of how it goes. They don't even want to talk to their own parents about these things. So I'm like, huh. One of these days, you know, if it makes sense, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of exit out of the teaching world and kind of re-enter maybe the, the therapy world. And I was lucky enough to be able to kind of get my master's and get that done and get incredible training, incredible experience. And, and now almost 15 years later, I'm in private practice and I'm, like, I'm changing lives that way. All right. We're learning a little bit about our guest, Carl Amage Kakaro, psychotherapist by day, musician by night, lover of 80s music all the time. Let's take a break and we shall be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the What Difference Does It Make podcast and our guest, Carl Almajay Kakaro. I mean, musicians have a, there's a history of, uh, of therapy. I don't know if you, you're aware of like, uh, you know, John Lennon and his, uh, what was it, the, his primal therapy and Brian Wilson, his therapist helped him uh, produce the album. That was kind of a crazy thing. I don't know if you're aware of that. Did you ever see the, the movie? But they kind of touched on uh, Eugene Landy, this uh, this therapist that stuck himself into Brian Wilson's world. Yes. Don't do that. If you haven't seen Love and Mercy, if, if you haven't seen Love and Mercy, oh my God. That's it. Love and, thank you. Love, love and Mercy. Yeah. I have seen Love and Mercy. And yes, and I do I do remember hearing about that and seeing that. Um, that's it's incredible. And the whole John Lennon thing, of course. You know, but you can you can go down like uh, there's a whole oh, series yeah. of oh Springsteen. Right. I mean Janet Jackson. I think it's good that people are discussing it. I mean, you know, just look at uh, you know, Simone Biles now. It's just kind of you gotta take the stigma to- out, you know, right. The accept acceptance is strength. And you know, there isn't if we can kind of get rid of the stigma around like getting help. I mean, I think more people will. I think there was a turn for a while there as far as looking at anxiety in this world. You know, I think a lot of people were kind of feeling better about kind of acceptance and getting and getting help for it. And there was a, there was a turning of the tides there for a bit. We're still probably a long way to go. And of course, yeah, to your point about Simone Biles, what just happened recently, I mean, no better, bigger stage than to kind of bring that to the surface. And it's got to be respected. That's exactly what, what people need to do. They need to take care of themselves. That's what's most, that's what's most important. I think this past year brought it to the forefront also. And people, I, it seems to me, at least, you know, here in my circle, more people are seeking help, which is great. That's awesome to hear. I try to put myself out there in any capacity I can. I have boundaries, but I will even work for free to kind of help get the message out. Whatever, whatever we need to do, it's I feel it's part of my cause now. A different platform, it's a different mm-hmm. different microphone to sing out of, you know. <laughs> I would imagine that you you might get some musicians in 2020 and, and this year. Like, what what do I do with my you know a lot of anxiety about 
future and, and earnings and, you know, not just musicians, but people that work in the theaters and, you know, all these clubs been tough. I, I imagine they, they need an outlet like you to, to kind of let it all out. I've noticed over the last year, I guess, since the pandemic has arrived, there have been more people seeking out help. I think there's a lot of panic, you know, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of grief and loss, and I'm getting more calls now more than ever for assistance. So kind of going back to what we were saying a second ago, if it's not acceptance, as far as like, as, as looking at that as strength and I need to get help, at least there's something that's pushing people to kind of getting that help. That's just, that's a good sign. And yeah, cause we don't know, it's an uncertain world, but it's what we make of it. It's how we choose to kind of skillfully think our way through these things. And that's why I like to help people. How does someone recognize that they might need to talk to someone like you? If their lives are becoming kind of unmanageable in some way, you know, where if it's, if it's addictions and they, they now have kind of, kind of lost themselves in some kind of an addiction, they realize that their life has become unmanageable in some way. They tend to kind of come for help. I mean, I'm duly credentialed in mental health and, and substance use, so I do both. I also do EMDR work, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which is the bilateral stimulation stuff. People who just are experiencing a lot of grief and loss due to the pandemic and the, and the change in this world. And anyone that just has basic anxiety or, or, or depression around just readjusting to a, an uncertain world. It's hard. It's a great, great question because I don't really know how to answer that other than I think people at some point realize that they need assistance in some way. They just can't do it themselves anymore. Has EMDR just come to the forefront for a lot of people or is it a new type of therapy? Dave, this is, I think, what we talked to Kristen Hirsch of Throwing Muses a few months ago. And I think that's what she talked about. Mm, cool. And it yeah. really helped her. Well, there's nothing more evidence-based as far as, you know, clearing up past traumas. And it's a, it helps create new, new neural pathways in the brain of thinking. So it gets you unstuck. It's not a traditional talk therapy, you know, it's a yeah. scripted therapy, but what's interesting about it is it, it does kind of help people cleanse away past traumas or, or past issues that continue to regurgitate themselves. And it's very powerful. It, it can be very quick or it could, could take six months Plus, depending on what we're, what we're talking about and, and, and how that person may be geared. But I've sat with people who've come in and just wanting to feel better, like just, just cleansing anxiety for the, they've, they've had a very stressed out day. They can come in and within two minutes, we can, we can get EMDR going and, and that'll be gone. Sometimes people will bawl their eyes out because it just, they just, something kind of subconscious is needing to be, you know, cleansed and expunged from their, mm -hmm. their minds. It's, it's just, it's an amazing thing. Taps into the subconscious. That's what's really, really, really fascinating. I hadn't heard anything about it, but it sounded, and now I've since, maybe because I'm keyed into it now, you know, by having heard, heard about it from her, but I hadn't known about it before. So that's good to hear. Yeah, it's really, really good. A lot, a lot of evidence based, a lot of evidence around it. And a lot of people are using it. I've got a lot of friends in the field who are who just do EMDR alone. There, there is no talk therapy anymore. Show up and we go right to EMDR. The, the future of it, it actually, and I'll end with this, is that um, kind of like you go for like a massage. Okay, I need a, I need a <laughs> mm -hmm. call, call the masseuse, call the EMDR therapist. The, the future is there's been talks about kind of getting more EMDR actually clinics made to where, like I said, if you're on your way home from work, it's been a rough day at the station. <laughs> I'll be home in a few minutes, hon. I'm going to stop and get some EMDR real quick. Pick a tune-up. Yeah, tune-up. That's exactly right. Just to kind of cleanse us from the day. And so that's kind of the future. Wow. <laughs> there are a lot, of, a lot of people who are trained in this now who, who, can, who can do this work. You just have to kind of get on your local, you know, psychology today 
profile and, and find those those people. Dave, I'll help you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. So we got way off 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Was, you know, maybe we needed a break from our 80s life. No, but I, I would imagine that for you, just uh, picking up a guitar is very cleansing for you and just kind of like uh, that kind of clears your head. I guess that's what people need to find is just something to kind of take them away for a bit. Absolutely. You know, music is is everything for me. It's always been kind of, like I said earlier, that kind of safe, calm place for me. Just I throw on the earbuds. I, I go for a run usually listening to my 80s mix that I've curated. 600 songs strong now. It's, I'm so proud of it. Turned out great. Yeah, there's the 80s, but it's also for me, it's also kind of going back to childhood in my mind. Yeah. I, was, I was very lucky to have a good childhood and I'd best of friends. And so it all connects. One other thing that I was hoping to kind of do, this is just a, another thing that I, there's kind of other future goals I have for myself is to kind of get out there and tour around with this music and also kind of do a blending of, of it's like a, it's, it's entertainment there's no stigma around coming to see that, but also half the show being kind of like psychoeducational in nature where there's a psychoeducational kind of lesson infused into the songs that all kind of works together. And so it's like almost like a Ted talk goes rock and roll. <laughs> so they're right. being helped without even know they're being, right. they're being right. helped. <laughs> right. Like this is all like, why, wait a minute, what, what are we, what, what's going on here? <laughs> We've tried it a few times on, on some, actually some, some people out in LA and it went over very, very well. It's like, wait, is there something here? There are other people in the industry doing things like this a little bit, like your Russell Brants and some other people. But I like the idea of just kind of infusing rock and roll alongside kind of psychotherapeutic kind of elements and kind of infusing it and being this kind of like awesome, entertaining and educational event. So, so grateful. It's been so much fun. And, you know, again, to me, it's just anytime we can talk about yesteryear that way and it's got to, got to keep it, keep it alive in our hearts. So I'm, I'm so down. I'm just excited about this. Very good. And you have a website? Is that, uh, I would hope so? The way I'm, I'm really kind of promoting everything now with the latest. So there's the NRWO or Nothing Rhymes with the Orange World of songs. And you can go onto Spotify and listen to some of that. And then there's the, the Carl Almaje Kikero 80s in the Blood separate thing that is out there to listen to if you're interested as well. And everything is on, on the streaming sites. There's really no, I do have a website, but it's, it's, just, it's just the same thing as going to those sites. It's just the music. It's, it's actually going to be cac.hearnow.com. CAC stands for? Carl Almaje Kikero. Hearnow.com. And then you could even do a backslash 80s in the Blood and it'll pop up loud and clear for you to listen to and but yeah hopefully you guys will enjoy some of that music either nrwo or 80s in the blood stuff you will dave i hope to see you guys in at some point maybe in, in the flesh wherever so that'd be good further down the road for sure that would be fabulous well i, I appreciate you guys so much thank you for having me on all right well, thank you for doing this carl yeah it was really great okay so I've actually, I don't think I've ever talked to a psychotherapist before. So this was kind of uh, therapeutic. How about for you, Holly? Uh, maybe you should think about talking to one. I mean, aside from what? You know, this <laughs> <Okay>. one. <laughs> Hints taken. Well, you're bashing me over the head with, uh, with a hint. Dave, that you know, is, maybe it's time you had a, had a little talk. That is not how I meant it, but I do feel genuinely that everybody can benefit from taking care of their mental health. Not only you, me as well. Now, I think it was very important that we talk to a psychotherapist just to not only get his take on 80s music, but to kind of talk about, 
what is important in life. And I think uh, mental health is very important. That's not a controversial subject. I, I shouldn't be. I hope people took away some wonderful things with our talk. Definitely. And that they can seek out the help, that they can check out Carl's band. Carl Amage Kakaro. You're not supposed to have fun talking to a psychotherapist, but I, I think uh, I think we did have a good time. Where can they find the What Difference Does It Make podcast? So you can find us on any podcast platform. And also uh, you can find us on YouTube. You can check out clips and maybe some outtakes with Carl from this week and on social media at WDDIM Podcast. And by the way, we are a part of the Pantheon Podcast family. So maybe check out some of the other Pantheon podcasts as well. What a great idea. And yeah, subscribe to our YouTube page because we're building up a, a subscriber base and it's kind of cool. I always have a good time figuring out what she's going to put up there. So uh, <laughs> There are definitely some fun nuggets up there. Yeah, so if you like fun nuggets, check out our YouTube page. <laughs> New episodes every Friday. Please subscribe. This is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.